Hey folks, Taylor here with another episode of Tostones con Taylor, which is a mini-cast that I do occasionally between larger episodes of Encuentros Latinx, where I talk about things that maybe are a bit too long to include in a regular episode introduction. This episode, maybe you'll need a little more than Tostones because it is a General Synod wrap-up episode. So much happened at General Synod, and there is always quite a lot to talk about. But in the spirit of keeping these episodes relatively short and bite-sized, I will try not to make you feel like you're at your Titi's house and it's Christmas Eve and you've been there since you don't even know what time you got there, but the sun went down a long time ago and you're tired and you're laying on the couch and you're about to fall asleep and your mom is taking three hours to say goodbye to everyone because, you know, you have to say goodbye in every single room and you just want to go to bed, but you can't. And so I'm not here to make you feel that way. I'm just here to give you a wrap up of my experience at General Synod and also highlight some work that Encuentros Latinx had at General Synod. So the first thing, the main thing that I really want to talk about with Encuentros Latinx is our two workshops that we held. The first workshop is called When Privilege Enters the Room, and that was co-facilitated by me and Rina Ramos, who you heard in episode 12. Funny story, she didn't actually tell me that she signed me up for that workshop. She was like, oh, by the way, Taylor, I applied for this workshop and I put your name down to do it with me, like after the fact. And I was was like, okay, great. That's awesome. Thanks, Rina. But for real, like I was totally happy to do it and I was very, very pleased to see that we had a great turnout in the live Zoom session. So if you were there for the live Zoom session, thank you so much for showing up and engaging with us in that way. And of course, if you watched the workshop afterward and commented in Frontline Faith, uh, thank you for for doing that too. And if you just watch the workshop content and you engage with it in your own spirit, thank you. Just thank you in general. I think that the virtual experience of workshops ended up working out a lot better than I thought it was going to. I was a little bit concerned that we would get to the live sessions and, you know, there wouldn't be anybody there. But aside from my own workshop, I went to the live sessions of a lot of other workshops, and I found that it was about the same average number of participants. Like a good 30-ish people on average were going to the live sessions. And that was really nice to see because I think that's a really good number for a lot of workshops that the UCC does because it's a good number of people and you can just keep up with the conversation in the chat And anybody who wants to share on their video or just unmute their mics. The workshop content is available to General Synod registrants, I think, at least through August. 
So you still have time to go in and watch the workshop. There are links to the toolkits that Encuentro Satinex has made. The workshop that Rena and I led was going through some of the content in the racism toolkit. And that is pretty much a series of passages with some reflection questions. And it's meant to start a conversation in your congregation about racism, beginning from the starting point of some Latinx experiences. We also have a toolkit that is structured the same way, but it's about LGBTQ plus inclusion in the church. So we have those two resources and they are linked in the resources section in our course in Frontline Faith. But you can also go to ucc.org and you can search for Encuentro Satinex and you should be able to get to a page that has links to the toolkits as well as uh, contact information for Rena. You can get in touch with her and tell her that you use the toolkits and how it went and anything else about Encuentro Latinx programs or materials that you've used or that you may want to use. Speaking of Rena, you should absolutely get in touch with her to learn more about the pastoral coaching program from Encuentro Latinx. The pastoral coaching program supports UCC clergy in expanding their leadership. It will equip participating pastors with the necessary skills to make room for their genuine selves and gifts. We will match you with trained coaches who are pastors too and can relate to different ministries and calls. Once you're selected and matched with a coach, Encuentro Satinex will offer you five free sessions. This opportunity is open to any UCC or Disciples of Christ clergy or leader in discernment who is seeking this kind of support. So if you're interested in this program, email Rina Ramos at R-A-M-O-S-R at U-C-C The other workshop that Encuentros Latinx had was Decolonizing Faith, and that was led by Marilyn Pagan Banks and Lisbeth Rivera. And that one was very well attended as well and very interesting and engaging. It certainly brought up such a big topic And I think that the people who attended both in the live session and afterward definitely got something out of it. So really pleased to see that we had these two workshops from our group present at this General Synod. And so thinking about decolonized faith and what that looks like, that's something that I think about a lot. And It's a question that I also always ask myself and have been asking recently on the podcast of my UCC people, what does it look like for the UCC to be inclusive of Latinx people? What does that mean? And I struggle with that question for my own personal reasons of being very comfortable, being very assimilated. I can assimilate very easily. That's been my experience. And so I'm still, I don't have an answer of what 
a Latinx UCC really looks like. That's still something that I'm growing into and connecting with. And so when I experienced the opening worship on Sunday for General Synod and the song Rooted in Your Love came on, I was like, oh, this hits me right in my bilingual but not totally fluent space because it's a nice, pretty song. It's slow enough so the Spanish part doesn't leave me super confused. I can actually keep up with the pace of it because it's actually slow. So that was just very nice to experience on a personal level. And then just also seeing various Latinx folks highlighted in different videos and speaking and hearing Spanish in different worship settings and things like that. That's always fulfilling to me personally. In addition to that, I think that there were other elements that began to sort of highlight for me that maybe this is what decolonized worship could look like. And that's certainly the inclusion of Native American spirituality uh, traditions and stories, not just in the opening worship, but throughout. I think that inclusion is part of it. The conflation in the opening worship especially of the struggles of people and and social issues, how that is the same as the struggle of the climate, how that was framed in the confession time period of that opening worship felt decolonial to me. And the song by Holy Fool Arts, which I really enjoy, Holy Be the Ground That Bears Good Fruit, really catchy and driving the whole story of that song, I think also kind of begins to get at this idea of decolonizing. It was great to see. It was a very powerful worship experience. I definitely felt very refreshed and spiritually fed from that worship and from Wednesday night worship as well. Very, very powerful experiences for sure. In general, I think that the virtual experience of General Synod worked out a lot better than I was expecting. Yes, a lot of work absolutely did go into it. And I say that even with the major hurdles that we faced when dealing with the actual business of Synod. I am thankful that this time around, I was just a visitor, just a workshop presenter, and that I didn't actually have voting responsibilities on these matters because between the educational intensives not being what the delegates actually needed, what the proponents of resolutions actually needed or wanted to convey to delegates, you know, between that, and I'm talking about the Hawaii resolution specifically, but there were maybe one or two other educational intensives that I kind of heard from folks that were like, uh, these don't really provide the right information or the right context to the resolution. So with that, you know, it's like, gosh, how can we expect delegates, especially 
the lay delegates who have, you know, they're taking time off of work. I was a lay delegate. So, you know, I'm taking time off of work to go to synod every time I go. And, you know, to not only be doing that, but then also to be a delegate and having to be knowledgeable of all the issues, it's a lot. And then to then have this experience of being given an educational intensive and then finding out that, oh, it's actually not good or helpful information. That is, I think, something that has got to be addressed in a better way because folks need to have that educational intensive be what they need to be able to have the conversations they need to have in committee. The committee in the for the Hawaii resolution didn't even have that. And so I hope that there can be improvements to however that process works so that we can be sure that the educational intensives are serving the purpose that they're meant to be serving. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is the time management of plenary and when things are discussed and everything. And I, I think that the virtual format of General Synod probably highlighted an issue with this that has existed in Synod in general, just kind of made it more, you know, to the forefront. What can I really say about it? I do enjoy seeing the different videos about all these different organizations within the UCC and all that stuff, because that's certainly part of what Synod is for. It's to get an understanding of what the wider church is doing. But then subsequent plenaries were so jam-packed full of all these other things to get through. And it just seems like there wasn't the best time management. You know, what we saw from the last plenary session was the, the delegates were certainly upset about that. And they did everything they could within Robert's rules to make it so that the entire plenary session focused on business. And not only that, but they successfully brought back a resolution that had initially been voted down. They brought it back and then approved it. And that was the Hawaii resolution. And so it's a little bit weird for me to speak strongly about it because I I attended the committee meeting on this resolution just as an observer. And then I also attended the implementation conversation around it that happened right after the no vote on the resolution in that initial plenary session. Just I I tried to get as great of an understanding as I could just simply as a visitor attending, just listening in on conversations. And it's very complex. But I am glad, though, that it was brought back and that there was proper time to handle it. That was a nice way to end Synod for me, to see that happen. It it did feel like making something right. And also, just as I was listening and seeing 
everything that was going down with the Hawaii resolution. I was also thinking about and reflecting just as a diaspora Puerto Rican, what would happen if a similar resolution was brought forward to General Synod about the relationship between the United States and Puerto Rico? And I had this sense, this conclusion that it would play out in much the same way where either not good information would be given to the delegates or the resolution itself would be the last thing to deal with in a plenary and so it wouldn't be given ample time to be discussed. Yeah, I just kind of had the sense of probably the same thing would go down. And that's not exactly great. There was so much confusion and discussion this synod about process and Robert's rules and everything. And I think there is a lot that plays into that. First thing is that I think that a lot of us, and myself included, we're just not Robert's rules experts. Some people are, and bless them, but a lot of people aren't. Yeah, it's a established way to organize meetings of very big groups that have a lot of things to get through, and it's a way to provide a structure, but it also seems to get in the way when people are so unclear about how it works and what's allowed, and also this sense of like, the structure really controls narratives. And I think as a church that is trying to work toward liberation, we have to really think about how it is that we are controlling narratives of ourselves and especially of other people when they're bringing issues to the church to deal with. As a writer and a storyteller myself, like I think about narratives all the time. And, you know, I think that we have to come to terms with the fact that some of these structures that we put in place to get through business, they might hamper the way that other cultures need to tell their narratives and the way that other cultures need to attend to business that is important to them to get done. That's really, I think, all I'm going to say about that. It was the biggest deal at General Synod this time around. I'm glad it had kind of a positive outcome at the end, an okay outcome in the end. At the very least, it felt like there was justice done to the matter at hand. So that's my impression of that. I also want to say, too, that I had a lot of fun being chaotic on Twitter with all of you who engaged on Twitter. And now for anybody who likes to stick around, UCC Twitter, it's cool that this has come about. And it's cool that maybe a lot of you for the first time are listening to this podcast. Feel free to play it for any work that you're doing in your churches. I'd actually be really interested in hearing if any of y'all 
you know, in your own work in your congregations, if you end up using this podcast as a tool in any type of racial justice or LGBTQ justice work that you're doing, you know, let let me know. I'd like to hear a little bit about those conversations that you're having and how you might be using the podcast or the toolkits. We'd like to hear that for sure. All of us at Encuentros Latinx would love, love, love to hear that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, Twitter, I can get a little bit silly on Twitter, and I'm glad that the vast majority of you played along with that spirit. I just like to be silly on there sometimes, you know, and it's nothing else but being silly. That's it. Don't read super deeply into it. I just like to be a little bit silly. I like to make jokes. I like to make myself laugh and I like to hopefully make other people laugh and just have a good time, release some tension, you know, that's all it is. There were so many good jokes, so many good memes. I really hope that the UCC can listen to Bernie Sanders now and uh, I'm once again asking folks in the UCC to stop saying transgendered. It's just transgender. We're not needing to add an extra sound to that word. Don't need those extra two letters at all. Just transgender. And also, while we're at it, it is much shorter to say siblings, friends, beloveds, than brothers and sisters. So let's try that out. Let's just do that. It's also a reason why I usually greet this podcast by saying, hey, folks. Folks is also a great short little word, less energy to say than brothers and sisters. So there's lots of options. I know it can be difficult to break verbal rhetorical habits because words and sentences have certain rhythm that you're used to, but we can get used to other rhythms in the UCC. I think I believe in us. I think we can do it. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up so that it doesn't turn out to be as long as a regular episode. Thanks so much for listening, for engaging with the podcast. You can stream the show on our Podbean website, but you can also simply subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, rate the show, leave reviews. That is really super helpful for us. And if you go to the Podbean website, you can find the email for the podcast, which is Encuentros Latinx with an S at the end after the X. Be patient with that. Um, Encuentros Latinx at gmail.com. And you can email the podcast there. So Thank you so much for listening to this special mini-cast episode of Encuentros Latinx. Thank you for engaging with our stuff at General Synod. And I hope that you will continue to engage with us in future episodes of the podcast. Take care, y'all.